Before I get to today's episode, I want to let you know about episode 300 of BitDepth, which will be live. On March 19th at 7pm, you can watch me squirm amid the barrage of impossible questions that I subject my guests to. Then, you can ask me even more questions, right to my face, challenge my contradictory beliefs, ask for my stance on controversial topics, find out what my favorite Radiohead album is. More details in the description. Theme music! So the thing about my music is that it is anything like uh, I don't have an artist name uh, on purpose because whenever I first started making music, I was like, oh, let me, you know, write songs. I started just as a singer songwriter. And then whenever I got an audio interface, it came with Ableton Live, uh, but it was like a a light version. Um, And so it was like the first thing I knew how to like record music into. And so like one of the first things I did is just like plug my guitar in and like mess with a delay. Um, and it's just like playing with long echoes like, Oh man, this is fun. And so the first track on my first album that's on Spotify, um, is actually like the first thing I ever like put together into a computer so like how does how does that feel that like your your baby was is quite literally documented like that's your baby that's the infancy yeah yeah i mean like that my my first album was called bloom um and and that's why is because it was sort of like these first the baby steps like you're saying into making music and and not just making music but like recording music okay and so the the album itself is just in chronological order as to like when I like started working on these ideas and you can kind of hear over time how it gets like more complex because I was able to figure out more ideas and Your put art stuff was together. Growing, yeah, yeah. Learning how to walk type shit. Yeah. And then but it's mostly an ambient album. Um I play a lot of video games in case like my I caught the vibe. Uh, I caught the vibe, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, didn't tell you that, but like the, so I think the first thing that came out of me was ambient music, just like background stuff, stuff that like feels good to just have around. Um, but I was also writing songs. And so the the stuff that I have that's currently on Spotify, it's still as Santiago Ramones, but it's all mostly electronic and uh, instrumental music. Um I'm working on an album right now that is more of a singer songwriter type thing. Um, but also during my master's degree, uh, I did a, like a anthology series, I guess. <laughs> okay, so, break, the, um, break that down. That, that poster there, that says machinations. Um, I did not do that art. Uh, there was a really good artist that, <laughs> that did that. Um, but that was like, uh, I was watching a lot of like Black Mirror at the time okay. and science fiction is my jam. Okay. And so what Machinations ended up being was this anthology series sort of exploring ideas in 
science fiction and the future and technology and all of those things. And so um, I have a rap song in there <laughs> and, and that's just because it's like it came out of me that way like oh let me you know try something that's electronic let me try something that's uh more of like a spoken word thing and then another thing came out i was like oh this is a rap song and so I so rapped. yeah i get to i get to hear that right like hopefully yeah yeah i'm uh, into that <laughs> i'm here for that do you need a feature uh i mean i'm always open to having anyone and anyone in anything in here you might leave with a verse today you know (laughs) that's how that's how quickly i go so what um so the first episode dropped today i'm sure you've had to listen to it a lot based on editing it and what have you um but what are your thoughts i think that uh just like i'm gonna go like top down i guess but uh Here's something that I'm going to say out loud that I haven't said out loud into the podcast yet. But for the month of February, I was intentionally trying to get black artists on here and just not say anything about it. (laughs) And since this will be the last like Thursday of February that this one comes out, like I'm just going to say that out loud. Um, (laughs) And so um, I'm trying to give black voices a platform so that people can hear what you have to say uh but not so in your face about it not so like oh because it's black history month let's like bring out our tokens like it's more about like if you just look at the feed it's like oh it just so happened to be that all of the artists that were featured in february were black artists Um, and so it's really important to hear all of the perspectives. And I think you gave a really awesome story about yourself and, you know, who you are and your journey to getting to where you are. And it's really important for other people to hear that because, um, the, the rap game is very like, presentation based you know what i mean like this is the the face that we're putting on and this is the product um it's very wwe yeah yeah like you like you had mentioned and so the um, hearing your story as real as it is um is more important than you know making a a killer music video or something. Not that a killer music video doesn't help because it really does, but like knowing who you are, knowing what you've gone through to make the art that you do is more powerful than just like, Hey, here's, you know, a killer track or something. Now I think that like, if people listen to that podcast and then listen to your music, they'll go like, damn, there it is. There's all of that. All of that is in there. And that's really awesome. So, so like, um, what's your story, Santiago? (laughs) I don't know that anybody has asked you that. Like, I haven't been able to go back far enough. I don't know if you've addressed it. So I would like to know. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, this is, uh, 
296. Okay. Um, every hundred episodes, I have myself be interviewed. Okay. Um, what is going to happen? And I'm sure you heard the I preamble heard beforehand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it'll be live. This is the first time I'm doing a live podcast. Um, and so I'm pretty excited about that. Right. Um, Evan Jarvix will be interviewing me. Um, that's a great that's yeah. a great one <laughs> that is a great one i am a big fan of jarvix i am a huge fan of jarvix as well he gets a lot of love on here Absolutely. anytime he mentions anyone's names like hey you should get this person on the podcast i'm like Phew. like immediately send the message because i just trust his word he's great for yeah. the he's great for the culture he yeah. he loves the culture he loves art and you can tell through everything that he touches so shout out to you jarvis yeah oh my gosh yeah <laughs> okay but yeah go ahead right right so um i don't want to jump the gun and tell my whole story even though everyone is going to you know hear it like here soon uh on 300 but uh i guess to give like the cliff notes version okay. uh <laughs> i was born in venezuela um, I came to the U S in 2001, the day I turned six, um, but pretty much was the technical term is like out of status, but as, as far as most people's familiarity with immigration system, I grew up undocumented. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, the, it's one thing to like be a person of color in the United States. It's another thing to be an undocumented person of color in the United States. Um, and so my like paranoia surrounding institutions is immense. <laughs> um, and I think um, I really related to what you had said about like being the black kid in the white school and making sure, you know, your timetable is better than everyone, making sure that you're raising your hand faster than anyone. Uh, I felt that as well because I felt like I had to excel, but also not stand out either <laughs> because like, I don't want too many eyes on me. Please don't look into me. The front I don't of the exist. middle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the front of the middle for sure. Um, but yeah, and that kind of just led into like who I am. And so I, I try to do my best and everything that I do. And also uh, another thing that you had said is like, you know, all artists are uh, introverted narcissists and, and it's like, please love me, but don't. But don't look at me. Don't yeah, talk to yeah. me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, it, it's a weird thing. And also like starting this podcast was uh, not really a, a goal of like everyone look at me. It was more of um, I probably will be telling this story again later, but <laughs> save it, save it. The anticipation is great. Sure, sure. Save it. Tell You can tell me off air. I want to know off air, sure, but yeah, like, yeah. yeah, we can save it. Um, but basically it's it's about the best conversations I ever have with people are sitting down late night, all of the like masks have come off and now we can be like, man, life is kind of scary, isn't it? You know, <laughs> and then just like get into the real like shit. Raw, raw human beings. Yeah. And 
you know, the like late night sleepovers or something. And it's like 3 a.m. No one wants to go to bed yet. Right. And it's like, so I like this girl. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, and that's that's been my favorite interactions with people. And those are the best relationships I've ever gotten with people is being able to have those super long conversations um, and being willing to get into the deep shit rather than, uh, you know, everyone has a podcast nowadays. Um, <laughs> I, I got into it, I guess, relatively earlier than everyone else because I started this in 2016. Okay. Um, I've been listening to podcasts since like 2009. Okay. So, so you've always been interested in a conversation. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I, I've been in podcasts before anyone even knew what a podcast was in like 2009. And it was probably, they first started in like 2006 or something. Right. Uh, the name podcast comes from iPod. So it's oh, like wow. a broadcast on your iPod. iPod. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yeah. I never, <laughs> listen, you just blew my fucking top. Okay. <laughs> now I'm a little blitzed, but you still blew my top. That's crazy. Podcast. That makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it, it lets you know how kind of like archaic this medium is. Like radio has been around for a long time, but it's also like this weird niche that has grown because of the internet and we're able to, you know, you don't have to have a radio tower to, like, get yourself out there. And that's a beautiful thing about podcasts, but also not everyone should have a podcast. Not everyone has something interesting to say. Sure. Um, and so, and maybe that's not true. I think everyone has something interesting to say, but no, they maybe don't, they don't. Santiago. <laughs> like, they don't. And you've had conversations with them. Yes. Um it's more about the willingness to get into it. Right. So like, so you think the intentionality of the conversation is equally as important as the content of the conversation? Yeah. Because if, if we're trying to like put something significant out here, we're going to try and go into waters that may be a little less charted and, and maybe go into things that have a bit more meaning embedded into them rather than just uh, <laughs> my brain went to like sports, not that sports is necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, it's very direct. You know what I mean? Like points and scores and things are very direct. You can talk about how well someone played a game and it's reflected in the scores and stuff. And it's like, yes, there is, something there but it doesn't it, the interesting parts of sports come out of like what it says about humanity and perseverance and all those sorts of things and those are the things that i'm trying to get to and so and i get that part but what i'm saying is is that you initially said um and sometimes people don't have anything interesting to say and then you revert it mm -hmm. And you went in to say, well, I guess everyone has something interesting to say. And that's that's where I'm going. <laughs> the reason I'm saying no, they don't is not to be like a dick. You know what I mean? Like everybody doesn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure, sure. There are there are there are aspects of life that I step in and add no value. And that's OK. <laughs> sure, sure. And there are people that are in that way mm -hmm. regarding conversations. Some people talk 
for the sake of hearing themselves talk. Sure. And you can tell some people talk when they feel uncomfortable to talk and you can tell. And it's like you're forcing <laughs> this narrative when you have nothing to add here, which is OK. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I was just wondering why you felt the need to retract and, and say. Yeah. Um, everybody knows something that you don't. OK. Right. And and even if you have had mostly the same experiences, there's at least some nugget of something that they've experienced that you haven't, that you could get something from. And if you seek out those things intentionally, you can find them. Um, and so the kinds of questions that I ask on the podcast are geared towards those bigger ideas that we're trying to move towards that, uh, affects everyone. Everyone does have a perspective about what they think happens when we die. Some of those perspectives might be more or less interesting. Um, I, I do think, and this is, I am not religious. I fell out of Catholicism a long time ago. And so I do find that like people that are very rigidly Christian are very uninteresting <laughs> in that front, right? Because those things are decided for you. Is it rigidly Christian or is it rigid in general? That's that's a good uh, good point because, yeah, I mean, there's lots of people that just like, all right, Bible, that is it. That is everything that I'm supposed to hinge my entire spiritual beliefs on. And that's it. And it's like, if you take all of the experiences that you've had in life, all of the suffering that you've had, all of the joys that you've had and kind of apply it in and out of the Bible, that can make a very enriching, you know, sort of document. But if you just go like, well, this thing says this. And so I have to, and it's like, yeah, there's, you could be very like legalese about it <laughs> to where like, I have to believe that there is, you know, this list of things in heaven or hell or this sort of thing, because it's been decided for me. Um, but I'm not saying that people who are very Christian are uninterested or uninteresting in those fronts. It's more that it is very easy to lean on the fact that that's there for you and not have to ponder it any further. <laughs> because yeah it's like well if the book tells me so then that's fine i don't need to worry if you know the like i don't have to make any ethics for myself and just trust that the 10 commandments are the foundation of my ethics not questioning the fact that like the bible has you know like god does things in the bible that also go against the 10 commandments and it's like well how are we going to look at ethics a little bit more closely in this way? Because this seems to challenge my way of thinking. Sure. And so, uh, like you said, you have questions, sure. right? Um, but it, it's very easy to just kind of like lean back on the Bible and be like, all right, well, this is what it is. I don't have to worry about it. And it's like, well, why not I think that, I think that that's go a, further? I think that's a crazy way to just live life in general. You know what I mean? Like, um, take Bible out and put anything else in. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, if there's exactly. not, if there's not, if there's not a 
ability to exist in nuance, then you're going to, you know, it, it, there's no way to live your life that way. I believe that like, I like conversations like this yeah. because it helps me like solidify my faith in a lot of ways. And this is what I mean. When we have the ideology that we are to go um, point by point, mm-hmm. rigid layout, <laughs> um, the Bible speaks a lot about having to understand what is in there and having to, you know, you, my people will perish due to a lack of knowledge. And, um, these, there's these encouraging things that say, go out and seek out, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? More Mm -hmm. than what's presented. I feel like the Bible for me has always been a living thing Mm -hmm. and I have to live in order to get what is in this living thing. Yeah. Yeah. To have it be so rigid, if it was ever that to me, mm-hmm. there's there's times in my life where I would have felt lost. I don't feel like anything about it is rigid. I feel like mm-hmm. as we live life, life that was lived and kind of shown in that way is what helps us navigate through those things. Mm-hmm. So I say, I, I don't only say like to live that way with, with the Bible, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mm-hmm. think it's rigidness. Mm-hmm. If there's not, if there's not a fluency of you, you know what I mean? Everything in this world is vibrations. If you're not fluid enough to be able to navigate through the nuance, then I feel like you're going to miss, you know, what anything has to to show you or offer you. What anything in life has to give you, you're going to miss that if you're stuck in that rigid nature. Yeah. And nuance seems to be dead lately, right? Uh, cancel culture and like the internet does what it does in, in such a way that we have these doctrines that we have to live by. It's, you know, that same rigidness, but it's now applied to, uh, social justice. And it's like, it's good to, uh, to have social justice, but we need the nuance with it or else we're going to, become fascist in every other regard and so what do you think like that's interesting um because you're from a different country Mm. and though you came here you know young Mm. there i'm sure there's still vivid um memories that you have of that place it's it's more like a dream (laughs) yeah the the memories of venezuela are are just kind of the same way that when you wake up and try and remember a dream i see It, it takes it takes focus yeah so did you like what are your thoughts on like racism? Like what what is that what is that like for you? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, there there is nuance, right? There is like I mean something I talked to uh John McMillan about recently is is the difference between ignorance and racism, right? And so there are shades to the racism that is in people right that like they might have been raised with or the the racism that we even have in ourselves and towards ourselves as people of color and so but like ignorance is pretty easily solvable like you can just tell someone like what this thing means when you say it to someone else is like hey you know, the N-word, like, has a lot of historical context to it, and this is why it would be hurtful to people if you say it in this context, right? Um, And if someone isn't informed 
they can very easily just be like, oh no, whatever, like that's bullshit. But like, if you just sit down with them, like, like a human being and be like, hey, you know, this affects me personally directly. And this is why it would hurt me and someone else. And like, look, nuance (laughs) and, and ignorance can be solved by just like talking about it. Uh, racism has a far deeper, uh, connection to like systems and institutions and culture, um, that is much harder to shake, but we can start with ignorance and that actually goes a lot of the way. Uh, you probably find, uh, that like most people who are like racists that are like genuine white supremacists or something don't know any black people, any Hispanic people, any Asian people. Why is that? The system has that they have sort of put themselves in and like born into and insulated themselves within has forced them to ignore and be blind to any other perspective. And there's a, I forget his name. I'm bad with names a lot of the times, but uh, this jazz keyboardist uh, black man, he would go to white supremacists and yeah, exactly. Do you remember his name? Uh, I'm blanking on it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, But I mean, and what it takes isn't like, he's not going up and doing speeches. He's not doing that. He's just sitting down with them, talking to them, hearing about their lives, getting to know them. And over time, they're like, these things don't line up. I can't say that these people are inferior to me because I know them and it, it doesn't work for me anymore. Um, and that's another level that we can work out of people through human conversation, but then it's the systems that are way harder to change. So, uh, Metamodernism is something that everyone's going to be very tired of me bringing up. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to keep I'm bringing it up. Fa- I'm because not familiar. With yeah. It. So metamodernism is the uh, step after postmodernism. Uh, so postmodernism was all about like questioning the institutions that we have and being like, hey. Uh, this is shitty or this is bad. This is all, all the things in, in the way we are approaching society or whatever it is pointing all the bad things out. And, and that's a good thing, but also it doesn't tend to like find solutions very well. Metamodernism looks at everything sort of at a meta level, which is to, find the structures and systems that we are interacting within. So uh, the matrix is postmodernism. It goes, hey, look, the society that we're living in, it's a simulation. It's, you know, it's it's this box that was made for you and we need to break out of it. Um, 
it doesn't necessarily say like what the alternative is it's more just like free your mind right. but like and then what yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> which like the matrix is my favorite film so like it one of my favorites too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah for sure. um but like you know it it is like question the system and that's that's cool that's a good thing but also even once you get out of the system you also still are within another system in the context of the matrix they're you know in like zion and there's like a whole society but in, in the context of like ourselves is if you look at the matrix as like a some people look at it as like a gender allegory or something because both of the main filmmakers or uh trans and so like oh if if i don't have to live in maleness anymore i can like break out of the system it's like okay well if you break out of that system you still have to live in the system of gender and so metamodernism sort of looks at things by like look at the whole thing that we're interacting within because we can't be outside of systems um and so the i think the genius of our generation and coming generations is that we're very quick to look at systems first. And so what used to be this man is a racist now becomes this man has been raised in a racist society and a racist system. And so it's like, it's no wonder that people are racist is because the system itself makes racists. <laughs> But I think that takes some like sometimes I think, and this is going to this is going to be controversial. <laughs> um, sometimes I think that we are evolving ourselves into um devastation. <laughs> sometimes I think that we are we think we are far more capable mm. than um than we are. There is value in delusion. That's how we get Disney World. You know what I'm saying? Like, definitely. Um, there's also destruction in that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in a lot of ways, we overcomplicate things. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a wisdom in simplicity. Yeah. And, I, I, and it's not too... It's not to remain a dinosaur or whatever the case may be, like, you know, future forge forward. But like, I really feel like sometimes we just in trying in trying to create this new whatever this new thing is, we are almost trading in anything of value that was set before us. Mm -hmm. um, and it feels a bit like. It feels a bit like, fuck what, like, led us here. Mm -hmm. All that matters is what's ahead of us. Sure. And I don't think I can, like, subscribe to that all the way. <laughs> I think that some things that are um, traditional or some things that are, um, that were good enough for my moms and mm -hmm. my grandmother mm -hmm. and my I'm not willing to just trade that in because mm -hmm. like there's a new wave of, you know what I mean? Thinking. And so I find that interesting, like all of these various levels and how we're discussing systems. But I think in 
nothing's wrong with discussing the systems because sure. there are systems in place that are, you know, set up to like make us fail. I, mm-hmm. I agree with that entirely. However, I feel like in us trying to disseminate these things so much, mm-hmm. we're going to lo- we're, we're going to think we're better than we are. And we're going to create almost more chaos in trying to um, do away with any traditions, any things that led us this way. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we're disregarding all of that to get to this new thing. And I don't I don't I'm not comfortable with that. So um, this is this has kind of become like a a thesis of mine in a way, but uh, it, it is kind of grounded in metamodernism, but it's this idea that complex systems have emergent properties that create tendencies in those systems. That is a very densely worded way of saying that like the structures that we have um, might have things that lead to other things. Uh, I usually like explaining this in the example of music, which is, I don't know how up on music theory you are, but (laughs) that's that's okay. I'm not. Um, the way that our scale is that we use in the Western world, uh, the major scale itself has two half steps between B and C and E and F. Uh, it would be C E F. There we go. <laughs> and uh, just that is the foundation for all of the harmony that we know now. Because our scale has those two places where the distances are different, different between the notes, creates everything that we know of. As to like, oh, now there's tension, now there's release, now there's tension, now there's release. It's because of those half steps and how we play with them uh, throughout just making music. Um, So it's not that the musical system intentionally put those half steps there, but because they're there, there's all these other side effects that come out of it. Okay. Um, and this happens in all systems. So complex systems have emergent properties that change the tendencies that happen in the system. So uh, when Colorado was one of the first to legalize weed recreationally, a whole lot of uh the sale of marijuana products popped up in Colorado. So here's the thing. There's a change in the system. And now we get a huge influx of people trying to make this product. Um, This actually exists. Like there are entire like areas of law that like live and die based on certain laws changing. Um, And that is because complex systems have, emergent properties and because of this one thing that changes everything else sort of changes because of it um so going back to what you were saying about like going into something simpler the the wisdom within the simplicity we can actually build that into systems we can build humility 
into systems. We can build uh, fluidity into systems. But the thing is, is that I always talk about complexity being it's just a bunch of small, simple things stacked on top of each other. Sure. Uh, you can go all the way down into like the atomic level and it's just like, yep, we have these particles. Whenever you add a proton, it becomes a different thing. Whenever you add another proton, it becomes a different thing. Put those things together. You get cells, you get uh, organs, you get bodies, you get people, people create governments. It's like all these sorts of things. You can break it down into its simplest forms and you can understand it over time right but we can build certain things from the get-go and go how can we make this thing more fair for example how can we make the system more fluid how can we make this system more simple how do we determine fair (laughs) right and so how do and and like I guess another question that I have is like, what's the goal? Like what are, mm-hmm. in, in doing this? Like, what is the goal? Like, what are we trying to accomplish? Right. And so, and, and that's why everything comes for me back to morality and ethics. Uh, in a weird way, this is a philosophy podcast, uh, more specifically a moral philosophy podcast. And okay. I am a moral philosophy nerd okay. hobbyist, I guess, because okay. I, I don't, I never studied philosophy. Sure. I just, get into it because like, I like I'm a true crime junkie. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the, the founding fathers who made the constitution had certain values and certain core principles that they built into the system and their biases are still there. And part of what was still there was that these people are inferior, don't have rights, and these people do. And we're still seeing the effects of that today because they wanted to have those biases still there. They knew that, like, at some point, we're going to have to deal with the slavery thing. But it's not our problem yet. <laughs> and so, so we're going you, to do you or do you believe that they knew that? Do you believe that they, they, they truly knew? I mean, they they did like they wrote about it. They were like, oh, hey, uh, we're, you know, slavery is a problem. The South is too powerful for us to like deal with that right now. And it creates too much money for all of us. And we're all slave owners ourselves. We know it's wrong, but because it's so okay. In this time, we're just going to have to, like, make the Constitution in this way. Wow. <laughs> but but that's the thing. It's like. I'm about to be. I'm going to be Googling the shit <laughs> out of that. You have created a new obsession. Um, And so. But they were already building a system on top of a system, which is like the colonies had plantations that lived off of slave labor and so if you're trying to make a government on the colonies you can't just get rid of slave labor like they're using this right now you're just like ripping out parts of the machine right um and so right now we're still dealing with the emergent properties that come from a constitution made by slave owners 
<laughs> okay, so I, I get that. I'm down with that. All of that, all of that follows. <laughs> what is the goal of this like meta um meta modernism? Meta modernism. Meta modernism is just a, a a way of analyzing systems. Um for me personally, I think that a like ideal society or even an ideal sort of moral ethical goal is to reduce suffering. That's a that's a good baseline, right? I'm not <laughs> mad at that as a baseline. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad at that um, as a baseline. We can't quite eliminate suffering. Um, but how do we determine suffering? And this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because I have like, an answer for that. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm interested in your answer because like, I want to give you an example of like, Here's a for instance. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lady in Texas that went and ordered soup. Mm. And the soup was placed into a bag, and she came and she got it. She walked outside with it, and the soup was so hot that it melted the top of the Mm -hmm. container. Mm -hmm. And she went back into the store, and she threw the soup that just melted the container in, in the manager of the restaurant's face. Mm-hmm. But it's because she thought she was suffering. It was suffering in her. It was, I can't believe like the nerd, she was trying to hurt me <laughs> when she put this soup in this bag like mm-hmm. this. So how do we make a overall determination on if, if her suffering matters? Cause I think her suffering is, um, is a part of her privilege mm-hmm. to think, how dare you, <laughs> you know, give me a contain. I think that's what that's about, but she looks at it as suffering. Does your suffering allow you to bestow suffering upon others? Does my suffering allow me to bestow suffering upon others? Do you have the right to make others suffer because you are suffering? I have the right to react. Sure. But is it, you know, for instance, good. <laughs> but is it bad? Because this is what I'm saying. And I know I'm devil, a devil's advocating this shit to death, but it's like if somebody puts their hands on me mm-hmm. and, in re- and in retaliation, yeah, yeah, I put my hands on them, mm-hmm. then in that case, that my suffering did um, allow me to bestow suffering Mm -hmm. on someone else. Yeah, yeah. I believe that that's justified, too. Sure. So, yeah, in in instances, I believe that that is is the case. Yeah, and philosophy has a lot of these, like, you know, thought experiments of just, like, how do we approach these sorts of situations? Um, The, and every situation has, like, a lot of nuance within it. But another thing is that like the real world isn't a thought experiment. (laughs) And so in thought experiments, you know, we try and like isolate all of the variables that we can to be like, all right, this is the question. And this is the, the point that we're trying to get across. But the real world is way more complex than that. And it's like, if someone lays their hands on you, you know, it's a little bit more complex than like, I beat their ass back. You know, it, it might also be like 
you're fully trained in jujitsu and you can subdue this person without actually hurting them, but just stopping the suffering on you. Like, <laughs> and, and that's something, you know, again, the world is complex. Sure. You may not be trained in jujitsu. I am like, not. <laughs> I have whooped plenty of ass, but I am not trained in jujitsu. Right. But there are certain ways of using your body to simply neutralize a person without harming them. Um, and so it's not that like, oh, because you have given me this negative, I'm going to give you a negative. It could just be so you're because talking you about gave grace me this right now. negative. Yeah. <laughs> because you gave me this negative, I'm going to bring us to zero. <laughs> wow. We talking about grace. <laughs> okay. And and it's hard, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's it's really hard to to say like uh, th- this is such a, a weird thing that like I don't know why so many people believe this thing, but it's like because I suffered, you have to suffer too. And it's like because I had to pay student loans and I finally like paid them off, why should you get your student loans forgiven? Because it sucks. It sucked for you. It doesn't have to suck for anyone else. Just let's not make it suck. (laughs) And let's universally not make it suck. Yeah. And it's like, just because it sucked for you doesn't mean, you know, it, and I always, you know, turn this into the ridiculous because it, it always highlights how ridiculous those things are. It's like, imagine uh, Frederick Douglass who bought himself out of slavery. And then let's say, oh, look, emancipation. Imagine Frederick Douglass being like, man, all these slaves going free. I worked my ass off to like not be a slave anymore. And now you guys are just walking free. How dare you? Like, no, it's just a good thing that there is less suffering. <laughs> and so uh, going to a thing about like uh, what suffering is or like how do we determine what a reduction of suffering is, imagine the worst imaginable, imaginable pain. Sure. Constant forever at all times, like the worst. Right. That's, that's a, it's an imaginable position to be in. Um, and it's also imaginable for anyone, right? Anyone can, you know, just be in a thousand degree oven or something and somehow still be alive. And we can objectively determine that like, this is suffering. Right. <laughs> Anything that gets farther away from that is good. <laughs> and so um, there's actually a, a Sam Harris uh, talking point, which is just the, the moral landscape. It doesn't mean that like, you know, there is one really, really bad 100% suffering for everyone. Everyone has their own form of that, but everyone also knows what it's like to get away from that sure um and that's kind of what he refers to as like the moral landscape the further away from suffering that we get the better uh it is for the subjective experiencer but like we can make the moral landscape to where 
everyone is farther away from the worst imaginable suffering. So how, okay. So like, how does that materialize like in the real world? So is it no, like no student loans or no student loan debt and like free health, universal health care. Right. I mean, there's stuff like that is this idea of basically getting away or further away from what could be considered suffering. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, we can look at those things like the universal health care would do a great deal to reduce suffering for everyone. There's people, there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of people just buried under medical debt. And if we could just do away with that, there would be so much less suffering in the world and we have the means of doing it. We're just for some reason not doing it. Uh, (laughs) And so, um, yeah, and, and this is a metamodernist analysis of like, we're looking at the system as a whole, what things in it are good and bad, what things are happening within the system, and what ways can we not only interact or think outside of the system, but also think within the system. In your, um, in your opinion, are there necessary systems? There are systems that we live in. (laughs) But you don't think they're a necessity. Like I'm saying, is there any system that you've observed where you're like, yeah, we need that? Um, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, So there's a difference between idealism and pragmatism. Uh, And so there is, you know, an ideal, which... You know, I guess if we go from like the worst imaginable suffering all the way up to just like pure bliss at all times, heaven, uh, there is an ideal, but pragmatically, probably not going to get there exactly the way that, you know, that ideal is. And so there there needs to be a level of sanity about <laughs> or, or pragmatism about how we make things better in the world. And so um, full-on tanky communists believe that like communism is the way and we're going to have to do many beheadings and we have to have a gulag to send people to in order to achieve the ideal goal of communism. Uh, You know, if you are against communism, you're going to the gulag. And it's like, because they have this ideal, they're willing to like, like cause a great deal of suffering in the in the meantime and it's like right now we do have money and we do have private property and we do have all these things the system the water that we're swimming in it's not very pragmatic to just like do away with all of that right now because it takes a lot of work and energy and time to like make that happen So instead, let's do what we can (laughs) pragmatically and improve things as well as we can, rather than, you know, being like, well, because it's not perfect, I don't want it. And that that's something that like, I mean, we can look at Congress all the time and and that's what happens and all the time, uh, or even just like restaurants or something (laughs) if it's not perfect i don't want it it's like 
but it's really good. <laughs> so like, you know, if, if we could have, uh, capitalism as it exists now with all of its systemic racism, with all of its, uh, ways in which it punishes the poor and, or we could have capitalism where there's universal healthcare, like, and it's not, it's not perfect. It hasn't solved everything. Right. But it solves something. We, made things slightly better and we can do so the more idea things. is just the so the so the so I guess the idea or the oversimplification of this is it's it's just a way to try to make the world as universally better as possible. For me, yeah, that, that's kind of my perspective. Okay. Yeah. What are your views on weed? Like what do you think about weed? Uh, I think it's not hurtful. So I mean it's just like what what the fuck should we, <laughs> why, why should we even, but, but that's the thing. It's like, you could take this to, it's like for this extreme and go like, why are any drugs illegal or legal or something? And it's, but then it's like, yeah, we've seen what crack cocaine does to people. We've seen what heroin does to people. And so should that be legal. I was like, well, why don't we structure a system in which heroin does less harm? <laughs> and this is happening in South America. So I am familiar with like this ideology where like drugs are legal and there are also clinics that you can safely go mm-hmm. do your drugs in, in mm-hmm. the event that you OD. There are medical professionals mm-hmm. there. They'll make sure you get right back where you need to be. And you go about your business. And oftentimes in some of these places, the numbers of drug use go down as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of on board with like drugs being like legal, because yeah. if you could do it in a way where people aren't, I feel like I feel like it not being legal is what leads to a bunch of crime. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have to go fuck shit up to get this high. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So if that means I got to steal from my mama, if that means I got to, you know, whatever, I got to get this high. If it is legalized, then you're given an opportunity to like, do you really want to be a crackhead? Like, there's other shit to do. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right. Uh, complex systems have emergent properties, don't they? And so we, <laughs> because certain things are illegal, then we get cartels. And so, oh, this is hard to get, but there's a whole organized crime syndicate that is able to get you this thing. And it's like, if, if you can just get it. Like if you go to Walmart and get a pack of heroin, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there are instances, it was like, if you, if you're a truck you driver, sell a pack of heroin, <laughs> that's crazy. But if you're a truck driver and you have to get from San Diego to New York city, in the shortest amount of time possible, you could do like some heroin, and it, Fall asleep it is on the a fucking road. It is Santiago. a powerful tool to achieve that. <laughs> heroin? <laughs> I have never seen a nigga with energy on heroin. Oh, not heroin. Uh, uh, cocaine. Cocaine. Yes, no, absolutely. Yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with that. I'm with that. For do you partake in weed? Uh, I I myself don't. Uh, I'm. I'm accidentally straight edge. <laughs> accidentally straight edge. Let's talk about <laughs> what does that mean? Um, it means that whenever I was growing up, I, you know, it started up with just like, you know, 
the fear of God. Like you, if you do drugs, <laughs> he's you gonna get you Santiago. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Like your bad people do drugs and you don't do drugs. And so that just kind of like stayed in me. But it was that with like alcohol, it was that with uh weed, it was that with cigarettes. And and so like my dad used to smoke. Um you know, I know people who have alcoholic parents, uh, all these sorts of things. And so for me, I was like, I don't need it. And I just kind of stayed with that for the longest time. And so it's just like, I've never been drunk. I've never been high. And it's not like a, a thing of not wanting to, or like a a shame thing or, but like, please, if you want to get high, like, I think probably everyone should do LSD at some point in their life. Um, even you yeah and I probably will wow <laughs> we, we go from stone sober to LSD that's interesting but that's the thing it's like what is it for right what is it for <laughs> and so people like to drink to loosen up a little bit right and that's that's not a bad thing right but if you drink to excess uh you're going to black out and do some things that uh, not so much that you regret because you're not going to remember, right. but the people around you are very much going to remember and they're going to hold that against you. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but if you want to loosen up, like, you know, the, the dose makes the poison, right? So like <laughs> for myself personally, if I need to loosen up, I can do that to myself it it's just like a level of mindfulness and self-control to like all right uh i'm putting on a show today let me like you know shake myself out maybe like treat my set list as a (laughs) like drug thing and it's like if i start with a song that's like super hype i'm gonna be pretty loosened up for the rest of the gig and and I don't have to necessarily like take a drink. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's like, Oh, I do this song first. And in order to perform this song, I have to get to this point. And, and if I'm not at that point, I'm not doing the song. (laughs) And so I can do that to myself if I have to. Um, But not everyone, not everyone needs to structure their lives around that and if you just want to like take a drink and loosen up like that's way easier than like <laughs> trying to like get into the mental space of doing that to yourself after all the years of training that right you <laughs> sure i mean i don't know if it's training but it's you know i i know myself sure. well enough to know that i can do that um and so same with weed it like it opens you up you're able to like see things from a different perspective and it's like Man, I have high conversations all the time. <laughs> and I don't have to have weed for that. But like, you know, if you want to have a high conversation, I'll have a high conversation. Like <laughs> what what is a high conversation? I don't know. Like both, you know, analyzing the structures of everything and be like, whoa, man, this this shit's huge. And also, have you ever noticed that like triangles fucking magical man (laughs) 
magical triangles. <laughs> and I mean, like, I'll go there with you, you know, like, and and when you're high, you're more open to to those things, right? But like, you can do that anyway. It's just that we're not comfortable doing that all the time. We're not, you know, willing to put ourselves there. And sometimes we need help right. to to get there. Um, but there are certain things that like psychedelics uh, do that our own brains can't. I can't put myself in an LSD state. <laughs> uh, that's not something I have the mental fortitude to like summon in my brain, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, some things you do probably have to like take a heroic dose of LSD and like go down that trip. Um, but it, but there's a point, right? Like you don't just do it willy nilly. Um, you do it to have a like significant spiritual experience. Um, and everyone that I know that has done LSDs has been like, wow, that was like a really significant experience. Um, but I think this was Ramdas who said it. Uh, when you get the message, you hang up the phone. <laughs> you don't have to keep going back to it if you got the message. Wow, this is a really profound spiritual experience. Thanks for showing me that like my relationship with my dad has uh, caused a level of other problems in the rest of my life. You don't need to go back to it to like relearn that thing or learn that thing. <laughs> wow. What a way to look at drug use. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. That is interesting. What do you got? I've been interviewing you. What do you got for me? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I guess on on that, like, why smoke weed? <laughs> so I am um, clinically depressed. Mm. And I had to go to counseling. And uh, I am grateful for my wife because she is um very about talking and communicating and like getting into your feelings and like normalizing therapy and for a long time i'm dealing with all of this shit and i'm and i'm like feeling like i'm on this treadmill of negativity and it's just like really kicking my ass and it's like telling me all the worst things about myself and every lap that I take around this shit it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and uh that was really like bogging down on me uh around like 20 25 26 years old I remember as a child I would go home and I would tell my mom I'm stressed She'd be like what's wrong with you like I just sit in my room you know not nothing and I just say, I'm stressed. I didn't know how to articulate I'm depressed. Mm -hmm. So my wife was like seeing me in this way. And she was like, yo, you need to go to counseling. And I'm like, niggas don't go to counseling. <laughs> um, and so we had a whole back and forth about that. And uh, she convinced me to go. And I went. And my therapist put down a box of tissue next to me. And I'm like, the fuck you doing that for <laughs> thugs don't cry right and so i'm there and like 30 minutes later like ugly snot cried <laughs> and i'm starting to like reveal all this shit and she's talking to me a lot about like ways to help me cope and so on and so forth 
And I had picked up smoking a, a little bit more at this time. And I noticed that it would really like, I would still have highs and lows, mm-hmm. but my lows wouldn't be as low and my highs wouldn't be as high. Mm-hmm. And it helped me in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, um, have a false presentation here, mm-hmm. but, um, a large part of me doing it is medicinal. Yeah. Um, in high pressure situations, you know what I mean? I can't journal all of my shit away. You know what I mean? Um, there are times where I don't know, I don't have the words, I'm good with my words in so many ways. And except for when it, when it comes to having to on the spot, dig up that raw shit in me. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to access that always. Yeah. Um, and so it helps me in that way. It helps me stay on a steady, on a steady balance. Yeah. Um, I recognize that it is not for everyone that's why I don't push it on anyone. Um, I am not going to be responsible for your vices. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you can have those on your own. Um, but it does help me. And, and, and I, and I can understand when I have conversations with some of my homies, um, we talk about deep shit. I'm, I'm here with my guy Skanes. We talk about deep shit, real life shit. Um, and we've talked about the effect that that's had on him, helping him in that way. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's why I fuck with it. Yeah. And everything tastes delicious. Like, <laughs> let's not get that fucked up. And I am a foodie. So, like, you know, chicken wings when you're high, amazing. Right. Better than chicken wings when you're not. Yeah. And so everything has an effect. Like, so it, and that's why I sort of have the perspective of, like, drugs as tools and kind of everything else around it so i mean yeah if you have a headache like take some tylenol and it'll help but like you could also take some morphine that is excessive but like <laughs> it'll lot, do the a, trick that's too. that's a large jump right but like, <laughs> it will do the trick though you won't feel shit right yeah. and so it's like are you trying to hammer a nail or are you trying to punch a hole in the wall so like (laughs) and so each thing has its use and so yeah you it's and i think everyone should approach their recreational drug use in that way of being informed as to why they're doing it um instead of like you know kind of being peer pressured into it which is how a lot of people do it like yeah uh you do sort of feel like pressured if everyone in the room is like passing around. It's like, all right, sure. Let's go. But like, do you need to be there? Do you need that? And and like, you can just hang out. Right. And you don't have to be high with everyone. Right. You can just hang out. And it's like, oh no, I'm good. Right. And you know, let's normalize that part. Saying no. Like, (laughs) and it's like, what what are you trying to do? Are you trying to hang out? You just hang out. You don't have to, be high with right. everyone. You didn't show if, up to if, get if high you, tonight. Yeah, if you didn't want to be high, if if, <laughs> if it doesn't hit you the same way it hits other people, like you know, know yourself well enough, and it's like, what do I want out of this? Sure. Let me just hang out. I don't need to be high. Sure. <laughs> um, 
and I, I think that uh, this is a, a thing that I'm going to get into that is kind of heavy, but, uh, <laughs> and of course I'm bringing it up late into the podcast. Let's but go. Yeah. Let's um, get it. <laughs> I don't believe in free will. Um, and so wait, <laughs> you don't, you don't believe that it, it, it exists or you don't believe in it. Like you- the notion of free will is an illusion. That is the way by which I have absorbed the universe. And this is a result that has come out. Free will is an illusion. Yes. (laughs) All right. And and that's just my perspective. I'm buckled in. Uh, I'm ready for this. (laughs) I'm ready for this. So, yeah, Um, I want to know what that's like. And regardless of if you believe in free will or not, it would be better to structure systems as though free will didn't exist. So people, you believe that people doing things based on their own accord is an illusion Mm -hmm. because that's what free will is. Mm -hmm. And so you believe that there should be systems in place as if they didn't have the opportunity to operate on their own. So So (laughs) this is starting to sound real cultish. Sure. Okay. So uh, you flipped my words a I don't little mean bit to, there. And I don't mean to. Uh, please, please correct yeah, me because yeah. I do not mean to. We should structure systems as though uh, yeah, as though people didn't have free will. So what that is, is what is, the, I'm going even farther into this whole uh, what is the purpose of punishment? Uh, to correct behavior. What or behavior? I, I shouldn't say punishment. I should say discipline. So, punishment. Mm. <laughs> punishment is a is a consequence to your action. Mm. If you if you willy nilly shoot somebody in the street mm-hmm. and they go put you in a cage, mm-hmm. your punishment is a result of your action. It is a yeah. consequence of yeah. your action. Why would someone willy-nilly shoot someone? Um there could be there could be several answers to that. Yeah. Um mental illness could be one. Mm-hmm. Um attempting to fit in, feeling as though um there were no other options. There there are various mm-hmm. answers to that question. Are there things that we can do as a society to prevent those things that lead to that um not absolutely i think there are ways to ease it Mm -hmm. and so like the concept of easing something um i believe we are capable of doing Mm -hmm. the concept of eradicating entirely or absolutely i don't think that's possible Mm. but like yeah so if someone just shoots someone Mm -hmm. there's a reason for that so we should look at the system in a way that instead of this person is a bad person and they made this decision, we should go, this person made a decision based on previous experience, based on previous, like their own life and things led up to that. Sure, but that doesn't change the result or the impact that it has on others. And I feel like if we, I feel like that could potentially dead accountability. Sometimes you have to just kind of sit in the fact Mm -hmm. that 
Okay, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna go here. <laughs> you asked me this question, and I didn't I did not ask it to you. Mm-hmm. So, do you believe that there are like good and bad? Like, I don't know if you asked it like that. How did you <laughs> ask it? Uh, is there such a thing? Or uh, uh, are do you believe humans are evil by nature? That's the question. Do you yeah. believe human? Do you believe humans are evil by nature? No, blank slate. Um, <laughs> and we are like humans are biology and environment, and that's basically it. Uh, <laughs> we like our behavior is shaped by the like stuff that our brain does. And the stuff that our brain has observed around us. So uh, it's actually like proven if you keep a baby in a dark room without any light, it will be blind. Uh, (laughs) So its environment did not give its eyes stimulation. So the body decided, I don't need these. Uh, It actually goes even further. Uh, There's this thing called failure to thrive. And a baby will straight up just die if it doesn't receive human contact. The body just goes, well, I'm not going to live, so I'm out. Uh, then, uh, so like that's, that's ways in which like biology shaped by environment. But also uh, what is around us. If you are raised in a catholic household uh like i was uh you wouldn't have buddhist beliefs that wasn't in there (laughs) that wasn't put into the recipe of that upbringing so you can't just bring that out of nothing so the catholic beliefs come out of a catholic household okay um and that is a result of the environment that that person grew up in. Um, If you don't know that something is an option, you can't make that decision. And I get that. I'm with all of that (laughs) shit. I'm with all of that shit. What I'm saying though is like, I think that yes, a lot of it has to do with your biology and your environment for sure. Um, but I look at like a Ted Bundy, mm. no abuse, no, none of that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like a little scandal, like, you know what I'm saying? Like his mama was his sister, you know? Um, but that ain't crazy. That ain't, that ain't, you know, start hitting women over the head and dragging them into your car crazy. You know what I mean? Sure. So if there isn't, if, it, if there isn't evil by nature, mm-hmm. How does that happen? Yeah. um, So I'm not a Ted Bundy expert, but you might be. Uh, When when did this happen? When was Ted Bundy doing his thing? 60s. Okay. What was happening in the 60s? Um, Vietnam, civil rights movement. Uh, So was America in the 60s a nice place to be was everyone kind to each other was everyone loving or America's was there never, a very, America's never right been that, exactly so, okay and so just because he wasn't abused or anything doesn't mean that that just 
came out of nowhere. Like there, there are things around us that like show us things about the world and the, the equation (laughs) of Ted Bundy was like, you get these exact ingredients and you get Ted Bundy. And like, it could have only happened in like that time and place and person because and of these that's how, variables. And that's why you believe that there is no free will because everything that we do is contingent on variables mm-hmm. that were predetermined. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that everything that we do is meaningless, uh, but it just means that we have our reasons. <laughs> Right, but I I feel like sometimes those reasons is because I felt like it. And, like, it's hard for me to think, like, there has to be a system that, like, that is a, that that is something I am going to be thinking about <laughs> at nauseum. Because, like, free will isn't, like, I believe in free will. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like, sometimes people do shit because they feel like it. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like... <laughs> I believe that sometimes like there is just evil. I think it is, it's hard for me. I understand that like Hitler was raised, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Biracial and it was a hard upbringing and everything he tried to succeed at, whether it was being military service or being an artist, he really didn't get revered like that. Mm. That does not justify <laughs> it doesn't. the Holocaust, it right? Doesn't. And I believe that it was it wasn't just the systems, it was his evil ass. It was your it was your evil ass that that did not know how to it was the evil that allowed him to make the decisions that he made. I believe that. Sure, but there was also so many other steps in the process that other people could have gotten involved, that other people could have been like, you know, hey, maybe (laughs) don't put people in camps. But instead, people followed orders. Right. But like, how does that, how does that, how does that like eliminate free will? You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm having. That's what I'm grappling with right sure. now. How does that eliminate free will? How does people have free will at that point in time to say, hey, yeah, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? You probably shouldn't. Like they didn't even succeed the first go round. Like the Nazi, the Nazi party had to go a couple times. Mm. But we, if, if you dig all the way down okay. into every decision that you make or that I make, you could say that it was just like, I felt like it. But there's more. (laughs) There's more going on in your brain. And just because you can't explain it doesn't mean that it wasn't influenced by something. We we pick up so much like our bodies are picking up so much uh, that we don't consciously know about. Like I can if I'm thinking about it right now, I can hear the ambient noise of this room there's the like whine of my laptop there's like a low hum that's like the ac there's uh i can hear whenever like a temperature change happens and something like pops in the room 
we're not consciously thinking about those things at all times. Um, but we can make decisions based upon those influences, not necessarily those that I just listed, but there are lots of influences around us that like, (laughs) um, I work from home and I sit in this chair at my computer for a long time. There were days where there was like a neighbor or something and they had their truck outside uh, with just like a low rumble. And it was just like the right frequency that just made me uncomfortable. And like, I just had to like stand up and like walk around and like take a breath because I was just uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And it took me a while to like realize that it was this just low frequency that was fucking me up. And it's like, why did I get up and like take a breath? And it's like, oh, because there's just something hitting me that is making me uncomfortable right now. And I need to like do something to get me away from that. We're not always like conscious of those things in our lives, but you know, there's the, always the, something that the makes dominoes you keep falling. Um, That's interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna sit with that one because like I I'm a pre- I'm a pretty insightful person. You know what I'm saying. Uh, and sometimes I just be doing shit. You know what I mean. Like straight up. Like no. Sometimes I just be doing shit. Mm-hmm. And so I think that like. I see what you mean. I feel like if you analyze, if you could analyze anything like that, though, like if you pay enough attention to anything, mm-hmm. you, you, you could break it down like that. Um, but that's interesting. I am going to be thinking about the concept of free will for sure. Um, there's uh, one last thing on that. Um, there's this book called The Righteous Mind. And there's, um, he is a like social psychologist or something like that. Um, but basically, he arrived at a general conclusion that is people make emotional decisions and then rationalize them with logic after the fact. And so the, even if it might be like, Oh, I totally did this because blah, blah, blah. And you can think of an explanation. What, his studies came to find is that like a lot of times people gave really bullshit answers to try and like logic out the thing that they did just then. Um, But it's like, we kind of just make stupid decisions sometimes. And it's really just because we're, we're animals and we make emotional decisions, but also we have a brain. And so we're like, Oh no, I'm a reasonable person. This is why I did it. (laughs) Wow. And so we we like try and think of reasons as to like why we did a thing. And it's like, we may not even always know why we did a thing, but we're also just animals. And so, (laughs) So. and so like, I mean, you're a man. How have you ever just made a just dick decision that just like after the fact, you're like, that was, that was pretty fucked up what I just did. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Um, And it's like, I don't know why my brain compelled me to this, but like the post nut clarity has uh, 
allowed me to see that like sure that was fun. you could talk plainly in front of my wife yeah. <laughs> i know what you're saying she knows what you're saying we're gonna talk about it in the car yeah um, um but <laughs> uh yeah for sure but like anyway next question i have santiago are <laughs> are you and your wife going to have children um <laughs> no and I am not at liberty to talk about things regarding my wife's body without her consent. And I'm, that's the last question I have about that. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. I've been married long enough to know what that means. <laughs> um, well, that's what's up. Yeah. So the podcast is your baby. Yeah. And making music is your baby. Yeah. I love it. Um, And I have, you know, like a lot of emotions and things put into this thing so uh yeah i feel pretty good about it if a if a real baby eventually happens i'm down with that too but like uh music is a lot of work isn't it it is (laughs) it is are you if a hypothetical baby um would you raise it to be would you raise it with the idea that this is just an animal too, or would it be different than that? Cause when I hear you say <laughs> humans are just animals, I get it. I get what you mean. Um, but I don't see that in my, in my, like it's hard sure, for sure, me sure. to go. I have four animals. Yeah. Um, spirituality is important, right? I'm not religious. Uh, but I'm very spiritual. And and that phrase has been maligned over time. But like, it is verifiably true that like, we are all connected in some way. You can say that metaphorically, or you can say that literally scientifically. Uh, and it still is the same thing. Um, so I mean, just because you are an animal doesn't mean that we aren't connected to each other doesn't mean that uh it isn't nice to receive a hug or give a hug uh so life still exists and there are things to enjoy and things to experience uh and just because we are animals doesn't mean that you know the chocolate doesn't taste good if you you know you can break it down to all of its smaller details and analyze why its complexities do this thing in your brain and all this sort of stuff. But also, it's nice. <laughs> and that's true, too. I'll fuck with that. Man. <laughs> I'll fuck with that. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it was fun. Where can people find you and your things? Um, I am everywhere at I am Thomas Who. Um, Thomas Who question mark on all your DSPs and uh stream my shit i make dope shit. yeah it is dope shit <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh i guess the, my outro then <laughs> yes i'm santiago ramones i am thomas who here is whole ass king featuring savion bones flow and takis produced by the legendary sunday Okay, 
Made a fat nigga back at it. Bit slimmer, same picture, take a crack at it. That era, my image, I'm a sight for all the sore eyes. Loud city floor side, cleanest nigga spitting, peep the fluoride. I just left a meeting with a nigga worth a million. He said it ain't your business if you can't afford to build it. I told him I could dig it, then I practiced my resilience. Cause they only love a beast that they contain before they kill it. And I'm far beyond the average animal. Caught a lick, handled dope, bottle rockets popping, my lingo forget the can of smoke. First 35 talking about why bother, put my eyes on the prize, now I'm walking on water. We just get started. Wealth started with the health. I became a target. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Pull up as I am. Body full of jams. Pocket full of shit. I guess I owe the Uncle Sam. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. See them try to jump ship till they notice that I'm on land. You can have a hundred thousand, bitch. You still won't be the man. Niggas switching up for fun. I don't Think it's a part the plan. You gotta see what cards is dealt before you can lend a hand. Ain't no later handle no shit right where you stand and be the man. Stick to the plan, the definition of a stand, yeah. I'm calling how they keep it heated, so I ain't needing fans. I pursue it like a loss, even if a nigga win. Good things still got the end. You should know when you begin. How I bottled up the fame just so I can find the sin. It's the shit I ask myself, my nigga, time and time again. Wonder how they got me measured. Ain't nobody gave an inch. Motherfucker. dollar credit. We just get started. Wealth started with the health. I became a target. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Pull up as I am. Body full of jams. Pocket full of shit. I guess I owe the Uncle Sam. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole Boy, ass sorry. king. Let me bubble in the bag a minute. Thomas Echo tag a minute. Universe my playground. Who the fuck told you the sky's a limit? Think I rode the world, but I ain't push no Q45 infinity. Probably slither through his own juice with a vibe infinity. Word the OGQ to the little baby is a vibe thing. Shit, now these rappers out in A, they full of fiber, man. Straight jackets and bars, some Tiente and some fiber beans. With a new tools and some school loops. If you really wanna learn what the drama mean, Oklahoma gon' swing that plane. But if you rain, then we gon' bang it. We gon' bang and Sweep your block, sweep your block to the fat one. Got your crown, I got my crown. We shake it in profit, man. Salute to the troops and both our groups and they move forward. It's We just get started. Wealth started with the health. I became a target. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Pull up as I am. Body full of jams. Pocket full of shit. I guess I owe the Uncle Sam. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Tell that little bitch I'm a whole ass king. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm a motherfucking king, you know what I'm saying? K-I-N-G, kind, ignorant, but never ghost, you know what I'm saying? We're going to roll out the red carpet in the hood when you see me, baby, you know what I'm saying? That's what it is. And if the police kind of run up on me, tell them pop, pop, never stop, stop, you know what I'm saying? It's whatever. K-I-N-G, baby. Y'all niggas is whack. <laughs> you can find everything that I do on my website, SantiagoRamones.com. I make music and produce audio. The music that you're hearing now is music I made. You can listen to official releases by Santiago Ramones on Spotify, Apple Music, and the other streaming places. Or you can support me directly by buying my music on Bandcamp. I'm working on Hypothetical, my first singer-songwriter album. So if you'd like to hear that at some point, there are lots of ways to support me on my website. There's a Discord server in which we discuss deep topics from the podcast, but it's also a community of beautiful human beings. All the links to my things are on my website, 
SantiagoRamones.com. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It would mean a lot to me to hear what you have to say, and it lets others know what to expect better than I could ever explain. I want to help the world have deeper conversations. So thank you for listening to and supporting BitDepth. I always end the podcast with my three things. They shape my life philosophy. Those three things are love never fails. It's going to be okay. I might be wrong.